you're welcome to. And you're welcome to read any part of the Bible that's in front of you. Tonight, I'm hoping most of us will be looking together at John 21. So if you want to find that in front of you or on your phone, I know some of you like to to do it that way. Um, I'm going to pray and um, we'll get stuck in. Father, I ask that that you would receive us this evening. We have sung and been reminded that you do because of Jesus, because you've beaten sin and death and you bid us to come because those barriers are no longer there. And so Holy Spirit, as, as we come and gather around your word, we pray that you might open ears and hearts and minds to, to hear what it is you want to say to us. Because your word is living and active. And we come to you, Lord, longing to encounter you, longing to know you more deeply, to love you more closely. And that sometimes involves a risk as we lay ourselves bare. Father, we come around your word now trusting you, that you are good and your love endures forever. Amen. Okay, John 21. Uh, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Well, if you keep that open in front of you, that will probably be helpful. Um, Am I the only Radio 2 breakfast listener here? But anyone else listen to Chris Evans during the weekday morning? There are a few people waving. Um, I don't know if I'm... I don't think I'm making this up, but I think during his breakfast show, if he's had a famous guest on or they've referred to somebody famous during the morning... There's like a, you can either text in or phone in, like a tedious link. So if they mention somebody famous, there's an opportunity, if you've ever come across this famous person in the most vaguest, vaguest, tedious way possible, you're encouraged to phone in or text in and explain your really vague link to somebody. So if somebody famous has been on, you might say, oh, my brother's best friend's neighbour once painted that famous person's back gate. And the vaguer, the, is that a word? Yes. Um, the, the gap, the higher up the top ten list you go of tedious link vagueness. And um, I was thinking, there are times, aren't there, have you ever found yourself in conversation where it comes up about famous people that you've seen from afar or brushed shoulders with or encountered somewhere? Because when I was um, very small, I remember two encounters that made my day, um, both of which I knew were going to happen, One, and I'm looking out, and I know most of you are going to have blank faces and have to Google this person, but the one person that I first met as a little girl and was very excited to meet was Andy Crane. Andy Crane, he worked with Philip Schofield, there's a few people smiling. He worked with Philip Schofield in the CBBC broom cupboard with Gordon the Gopher. He's a little bit of a hero of mine. And he came to our town carnival, and I got to join the back of the queue and get his autograph, which made my day as did the time I watched Gary Lineker play for Spurs in White Hart Lane. Yes, I'm that old. And uh, managed to get his autograph after the match. Two people I was made up to meet, but I knew it was going to happen, and that's why I'd intentionally gone to the carnival, and it's why I'd intentionally gone to watch Spurs play. But a couple of encounters that I've had that I wasn't expecting... Now, they're the ones that really, I think, blow you away. My sister, only a couple of weeks ago, texted me to say that on the platform of the... She was at the station in London, and on the platform next to her, getting on the same train, was Boris Johnson. And she's texting me like, you you wouldn't believe this. You don't believe who I'm standing next to. My response was, hug him. She didn't go for it. Um, but, But I remember, I mean, even small, I remember me and my family walking past Terry Nutkins. Again, there's a few of you... Terry Nutkins was the most amazing animal expert, conservationist, and he was a bit of a hero of mine. And get this, this probably beats everything, holding the door open for Linda Bellingham in McDonald's. I thank you. It doesn't get better than that. Linda Bellingham, the loose woman, gravy, bisto advert lady. (laughs) It's gone really well. I thought you'd be chuffed with the people that I've met in my past. But one person... I did meet at 11 years old, who I wasn't expecting to meet, which might sound daft when you hear where I went and why I'd gone, was in Wembley Stadium. 
and I was 11 years old. And I'd gone there uh, with my church to listen to Billy Graham, who was a famous evangelist. Now, it might seem, if you're going to listen to an evangelist, Emily, you probably are going to encounter Jesus. Well, actually, I'd gone because I wanted to see Wembley Stadium. That's why I was on the coach, because I'd heard it was a great big place to go. But when I was there, I encountered unexpectedly Jesus at 11 years old, and he bid me to come. And so I got up out of my seat, along with hundreds of other people, out of my seat, out of my row, out of my stand, and kind of snaked my way down to this football pitch, lost in a mass of people with not a second thought for how I was going to return there. But I did. And that was an encounter that blows any other encounter with anybody else you will ever meet out of the water. And Jesus has had the same encounter. We see in Matthew 4 his first encounter with Jesus, while he's fishing, Jesus says, come, and I'll make you a fisher of men. I got up out of my seat, Peter got up out of his boat, and he went. And he's had quite a journey since then. So that's roughly three years from what we're reading now. And Peter, as a disciple, has had quite a journey. So he has been invited in really closely out of a group of 12, alongside Jesus. He was invited in and to see the transfiguration. When Jesus had to wrestle with God in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his death, Peter's one of the people, he says, will you stay awake for me? Will you wait with me? Will you stay awake while I go and wrestle this out with my father? Peter was the one that got out of the boat, as we've read last week, and walked on water, and then sunk when the panic set in. Peter is the one who said, I will not disown you, Jesus, and went on to deny him three times. Peter is the one, when Jesus arrested, gets out his sword to stop this from happening and lobs off the guard's ear. Peter is the one who sees the empty tomb, and Peter, up until this point, has twice seen Jesus come and meet the group post-resurrection, the risen Lord Jesus. He's seen him twice. But this encounter... I think it was a little bit unexpected. Not unexpected in that, well, Emily, if you're going to go and to listen to Billy Graham, you're probably going to meet Jesus. But unexpected in the sense that, although this arrangement had gone on, the instruction had got to the disciples to be in Galilee for Jesus to spend time with them. I think what comes out of the meeting is really special. And I've just got two things I want to say really briefly this evening. Because what I really wanted us to do was just listen to Andy's sermon again from this morning. Because he had it all covered, and it's really beautifully shared. And so I really want to urge you to listen online, because he's been giving a number of messages to us as a body of people and as a church as he begins to leave. And this morning was really powerful. So I want, if your brain and your heart and your mind's going to go somewhere, listen to that. If we've got a few more minutes, I've got a couple of things I want to share with you before we move on. Two things strike me in this encounter with Jesus. The first is the reinstatement of the relationship. Because Peter, the last time he was up close and personal with Jesus, really up close and personal, around the Last Supper, around those final hours, was, I will never disown you. I will never, I will never deny you. And then just hours later finds himself three times saying he does not know Jesus whilst Jesus is on the path to Calvary. 
And so what strikes me when I read this is bearing that in mind, that's the last time they were really up close and personal. Jesus has met him since in a group, in a group setting, but that one-to-one, that probably would have been the last close time that they spent together. And I'm struck by how Peter responds. I've got a lovely picture on the screen, hopefully, and I just love it because I think if that was me and the last time I was talking to Jesus and he's on the shore and he's saying, come, I would be a bit like, uh, actually, do I? Do I want to look him in the eye again? Do I want to get close? Do I? I don't know. Do I? Would I cower in the boat? Would I pretend I hadn't seen him, pretend I hadn't heard him? What does it all mean? Look at this image, if you can make it out. There's the disciples coming into land with the boat full of fish, and Peter, once John identifies who it is, Peter again is out of that boat and heading to shore as quick as his legs can take you when you've got a massive cloak on through the water to Jesus. And I love that because I think what it does is gives testimony to the last three years he's spent with Jesus. He has absolute confidence in who Jesus is and, and nothing's going to hold him back. Not his failures, not his history, not his highs, not his lows. The invitation to come as his friend, he's there. He's there like a shop. And I love it. Because the perceived barriers that could have held him back, that could have held the disciples back, um, have been brought down. And they haven't been brought down by the disciples. They've been brought down by Jesus. Because Jesus has sought the men out. It's him that's gone to them while they're out fishing. It's Jesus that has invited them to come, if you read the text, and not only come, but come as friends. Jesus is calling them friends. He's inviting them to come. He's made it to the shoreline. And he's met their need for fish. There's been a lot of debate about why they're fishing, should they have been fishing, and really, I don't know. But what I do know and what I do read is this generous abundance of fish. Their need in that moment is for fish, to sell, to eat, don't know. And Jesus meets it. But he doesn't meet it mediocre, he meets it massively in abundance because he's a generous God and cares about the detail. 153, can you imagine them bringing in the nets, going, well, these nets only hold, what, 60 fish? Yeah, there's more than 60. They can't be more than 60, it would have broken. I reckon there's more than 60. Fine, we'll count. And you can imagine them laying them out, 151, 152, 153. How have the nets not broken under a weight of 153 fish? Because God is generous and he gives above and beyond in a very supernatural way that net held the weight. God's interested in being generous and detailed. Um, A while ago, our car needed, um, it had an oil leak. And we just, I don't know if it's just us, we just kept topping up the oil and just hoped the leak would stop. It doesn't. You do have to take it to a garage and you do have to pay for it to be repaired. And at the time, we didn't really have the money to get the repair done. And uh, we have friends who knew of this and um, they came back to us after a few days and said, you know what? We found this in our loft. And it was an action man, not an action man, but it was the clothes of an action man, okay, that were unopened, pristine, in the original packaging, never used, still had the thread where it had been sewn onto the cardboard from the, in the background, and it was an original from when back original action man were made, in the 60s, something like that? 
So they said, why don't you back it on eBay and see how it goes? And anything you get from it, you can put towards uh, getting your oil leak fixed on the car. So oh, that sounds fun. Let's do that. So I'm like, the oil, I think it was about 120, 130 pounds to have that oil leak fixed. And um, so we, we put it online, we put it on for seven days, and it was the most exciting seven days. <laughs> Watching those bids come in, starts off slow. I'm thinking 40 pounds, jobs are good. It goes towards getting the oil leak fixed. So the bids come in, and it kind of trickles in slowly at first, and we're touching base during the week. It's like, yeah, it's at 20 pounds. A few hours later, it's 25. And at 25 for a few days, 25 for a few days, up towards the end of the bidding stage, we're up to 50. I'm like, whoa, we've gone past 40. 40 was my, like, I made up with 40. We've gone past 40. We've gone, and then it goes on and on. And then towards the end, it reached 100. And now we're in the final hours. And everyone's like glued to their screens. Refresh, refresh. Uh, do you know what it came in at? It came in a Frenchman, bless him, clearly into his action men, was willing to spend, I think it was £310 on a bit of cotton and two plastic boots. Don't really understand it myself, but boy, it made for an exciting weekend. So that was amazing. It gets more amazing. This is how it gets more amazing. So we paid to have the oil leak fixed. Want to give the remaining outstanding amount back to our friends. Only fair, the gift came from them. So we're like, well, no, the leftovers we'll give back to you. They're like, no, 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 we want you to keep it. We absolutely want you to keep it. I'm not going to argue with them because I'm never going to win. So we accept the money. Then, a few days after that, our friends then receive a cheque or some money through their front door for the exact same amount that Action Man clothes sold on eBay. God is so generous. So not only did it meet our need to get the oil leak fixed, it went above and beyond. Not only we blessed above and beyond what we needed for our car, our friends are then blessed because of their generosity and abundance. Bearing in mind, money's all God's anyway, it just goes round. But if you live freely and openly, look how God wants to, to use it to work to bless. Look how God wanted to give above and beyond what that net could hold. For what ends? We don't know. We could sit and think about 153 for hours. What does it mean? What? It means God's generous. It means God's miraculous. And it means God cares about our needs. Their need that night was fish. God met it. That need for that our week was to get the oil leak fixed. God met it. God is a generous God. And that generosity is seen because he goes ahead. So not only does he bless them with abundance of fish, he goes ahead as they come up out of the boat and onto the beach with a fire. The fire's ready and raring to go. It's hot and it's ready. The bread's there. The fish from the catch just needs to be opened up and gutted and descaled and all that stuff. And there they are, together, sharing and eating. And who's serving? Jesus. Who's prepared it? Jesus. Who's provided it? Jesus. Who's invited them in on it? Jesus. All the barriers that might hold these disciples back have been taken down by Jesus.
At the end of a long and frustrating night, a new day was dawning. And a new day was dawning for Peter in ways that he wasn't expecting. Because what I've loved in the three appearances of Jesus, they've always been corporate. The group's been there, the disciples have been together. But now something changes. Because what does Jesus do? He now takes Peter off. He's met and nourished those disciples in their body and in their soul in the time that they've spent together. But he has a unique relationship with each one of them. So he cares for the whole, but he knows them individually and he knows their individual needs. And this shoreline, back in Matthew 4, where Peter first encountered Jesus, is the place where Jesus chooses to have this very intimate conversation with his friend. And it's around that fire, that fire being the place where Peter found himself when he was denying Jesus just weeks before. And what does he do? He takes his friend aside. And does he say, so then, now it's just you and me, tell me, how does it feel to let me down? Now it's just you and me, let me know, how disappointed should I be in you? Now it's you and me, I'm going to tell you I told you so. Do we hear or see a hint of that in Jesus? There is nothing. What is it that Jesus wants to know? Where is it Jesus wants to get to with Peter? He wants to get to his heart. And he simply asks, essentially, am I your first love? Do you love me more than these? That's where he takes Peter straight to the heart, in the most gracious and beautiful way, with all the barriers brought down, the fear of failure taken away, and encounters Jesus. And I wonder, have you met Jesus? Have you encountered him? Have you heard that first invitation to come? As an 11-year-old me in Wembley Stadium, I heard that invitation to come. And I took it. And it was the best thing I've ever done. Have you heard that invitation? Or do you need to hear it again? Peter needed to hear it again. He needed to hear that invitation again. Get back to your roots. Let's get back to where we started. Because I still want you. I still need you. I still love you. Do you need to hear that question again? To have your relationship reinstated, restored, renewed, reinvigorated? And then my other thing that struck me before we move on is the reinstatement not only of their relationship but the reinstatement of the role of Peter in God's kingdom. The invitation to come and then the invitation to be his co-worker in extending God's kingdom because when we meet Jesus we have that beautiful restoration of relationship that was always meant to be before sin entered the world a perfect union with our heavenly father. But out of that comes a job to do, a job that should give deep joy, come at deep sacrifice often, but come at deep joy where you just know this fits and this is what I've been called to do. And Jesus doesn't say to Peter, okay, we're all right, off you go. He says, Peter, we're all right. Now come and do what you're always meant to do for me. Let's get back on track. Let's give you a role and a purpose. You've had a night aimlessly fishing, lobbing your net over this side and that side, trying that bit of the lake and this bit of the lake to no end. Now I want to give you a purpose and a direction. 
I want to give you a purpose and direction, not only in the everyday, but in the unseen. Not only a purpose and direction for the time you're alive, but a purpose and direction that will go on eternally. And this is going on eternally because we're reading about it all these years later, impacting and shaping us. Peter probably, this, this is eternal stuff. This is life-changing stuff that goes beyond when we leave this place. And, uh, and Peter takes it. He says, yes, I will take that calling, that renewed focus and vision. And it will look different for each one of us. Peter's task um, looked very different to Paul's. Paul's was given a task and he was a pioneer. He was off. Peter was asked to be a shepherd, fisher of men, to scoop and to care for the flock. John's there. John's been given a task. And what's John's task? His is to write and reflect and teach. His came at a sacrifice. He ended up alone on an island until a ripe old age. Peter and Paul's came at a sacrifice, it ended up with their martyrdom. And the task you and I have been given, mine will look different to yours. Yours will look different to the person next to you. But what it will do, at times, will come at a cost and a sacrifice. But it, but it will have an eternal impact. It will go on long after we leave. So restoration reinstatement. Other descriptions to be reinstated are to bring back, to renew, to restore, to revive, and to put in power again. So we're going to come to communion now, and I wonder, do you want to have some of that brought back into your relationship with God? Do you want to be brought back, maybe for the thousandth time, because you failed? Or do you want to be brought back for the first time? And actually, you've never heard this before. You know something's not been right, but you've not heard that it was this. And actually, on reflection, yes, this is what's missing. I need to be restored to God. Or do you want to have your task, your role, renewed and restored and revived? Well, there's an opportunity now, individually to listen to God, but corporately to come together around this table. It's not a fire, it hasn't got fish, but it's a very special meal that we are invited to take part in. So I'm going to pray and, uh, and we'll, we'll get to do that together. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Peter. Thank you, Lord, that you saw after him first in relationship and secondly, in responsibility and role out of that. Lord, I thank you that the simple question is, do you love me? Do you love me? Not what have you done or what can you do or where have you been, but do you love me? And Father, we come to you with our answers in our heart. And we ask, Lord, that you would reinstate, you would rebuild, you would renew that relationship. And out of that, Father, you would put power again in the roles that you've called us to have in your kingdom, to have an eternal impact in this city in this country because you are good and you are gracious the disciples came and ate and they tasted and they saw that the Lord is good and Lord we want that to be our legacy that when we leave people will say because of their relationship with Jesus and because of what they did I can see that the Lord is good please Holy Spirit we ask this in your name Amen